The Dynasty League podcast is brought to you by our friends over at MyBookie. Head over to MyBookie.ag or go to DynastyPressBox.com. Check out a couple articles and click on any of the banners for pre-populated promo codes to take you to one of the best sports books on the internet. Friendliest lines available, whether you're looking for single game betting, wild parlays, or even future bets. They've got a little bit of everything for everyone. So head over to MyBookie.ag. Make sure to use the promo code DYNESPORTS, D-Y-N-E-S, SPORTS when making any first deposits or top-ups so that they know who sent you. Must be 18 years of age or older. Please gamble responsibly. Well, Eric, the day finally came. For those who have not been paying attention, this is Craig and I in the aforementioned chosen costumes. Oh, we're standing up too? Okay, we'll, we'll give them the full... Full length of the, as Eric like, calls it, uh, yeah, the girthy part of the crayon here. So Eric was the winner of the Survivor Pool. These are the costumes he chose for us. Frankly, Craig, I feel like we got off easy, though, with what uh, yeah. what you two would have been wearing had I have won that. Well, well how about you share? <laughs> no, no, no. I'm going to save that for a future time. But let's just say okay. it was a little bit more risque. There may, it may have been an adult eyes only warning that uh all right this video all right so craig in 20 years when kyle finally wins this thing we'll have to dress in a <laughs> banana hammock hey if we're not canceled after year one and we're still around for year 20 that's news to me right there if oh, you were still around after year 20 you're wearing whatever costume you you are planning to ha have us wear with us we're Eric, still we here in 20 years it's all going to be spacesuits is what it's going to be we're yeah. going to be doing this live from elon musk's colony on mars or something hey craig yo what's up what uh what crayon was in charge of answering the phones at the crayola factory yellow <laughs> oh my god <laughs> all right well we're off to an absolutely blistering start here boys at, at least craig looks good in yellow kyle's kyle looks stupid in blue oh okay wow wow, wow. sorry my choices were limited in what i was provided here yeah kyle you can have the blue one or blue whatever you'll take what i give you <laughs> now you're gonna take blue by the way you look stupid in blue so well, at least you went at least you laugh, went laugh i guess here at least you went color coordinated all right, that's enough talk about Crayola. You guys can visually enjoy this. For those that are only listening on the podcast version, we will put this on the YouTube page. So head over to youtube.com, search Dine Sports. We'll be one of the first videos up there. And give yourself a little visual treat as to what the hell we're talking about off the top of this episode. Talking about Crayola. Talking about Crayola. Biggest upset of the weekend, boys. It was a weekend full of upsets. Which one was the most shocking to you? Well, I think there's no no debate about that. Buffalo and Jacksonville. Is this goes to show you that they just goes goes to show you that the AFC South is the best division in football. Oh my good really? lord. <laughs> how how bad is the rest of the AFC? Seems like the AFC just no one wants to win it this year. Like no. uh, at this point, I'm almost wondering if we can just take two NFC teams to the Super Bowl. I think we need to stop going ahead and just like, okay, now who's the best AFC? Because every time we name a team, they just have this brutal game. So just no more, just no more. 
We're going to stop jinxing everyone. It's the Dynasty League curse is the new Madden curse, apparently. Whoever we name as the cream of the crop in the AFC immediately falls off their pedestal. Yeah. Remember when it was the Bengals? Oh. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> now they're in last place in their division. Yeah. yeah. Two, took two weeks. Two weeks. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my yeah. gosh. Craig, are you going with the uh, Buffalo-Jacksonville game as well, too? I mean, that's an obvious one, but I'll give a shout-out to Denver over Dallas. I mean, the final score was 30-16, to 16, but let's be real. That was that was 30 to nothing. That yeah. was a lot of garbage time. Oh, and that yeah. was Dak Prescott coming back. Here comes the offense, and then nothing. Yeah. Right if after we're talking, Miller got traded, too, and Denver yeah. just didn't skip a beat. If we're talking about the biggest upset based on the pure win uh, or the team that lost, I think it's Buffalo, but yeah, I think, you know, a 30 to nothing drubbing at least up until there was some garbage points. Um, yeah. That game was probably the, that score I think was the biggest surprise. I think if you're a Dak Prescott owner, you love the last eight minutes of that game. Cause I think he was at like 3.2 points or something up until the last garbage time two two point conversion leading touchdown drives there. So somehow yeah craig <laughs> yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna go with actually the team that i was most impressed with might not have been the biggest upset but the most impressive underdog win was the titans over the Rams, 28 16 because i figured no derrick henry you're on the road and they put on a defensive clinic against the Rams' high-powered offense. It wasn't like they went out there and they won the game via offense. It was their defense that got it done, which for large stretches of the season looked like a sieve at certain points. So I was really impressed with that. Yeah, they had a rough start to the year, and, I mean, they just completely turned it around. Well, speaking of AFC, can the Patriots realistically win the AFC East? Are we ready to close that door that Buffalo is by far and away the best team in the division? Or is the win streak and that ugly loss against Jacksonville starting to crack that conversation open a little bit? No, Buffalo's going to take that division. It was kind of fluky, their loss. So I think they'll still win the division. I mean, New England's playing well, but I still think that the Bills are going to are going to win the division because I'm pretty sure they still have to play the Patriots twice. Correct. And I think they'll pro- probably win both those games, probably. But, I mean, who knows? If, if they lose both of those games, then I guess it's anyone's division. Your logic is essentially Josh Allen can't play Josh Allen every single week. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he can't – well, I mean, he can't play a team from the AFC South every single week. Oh, it's probably the better – the better – That's what it is. Comparison. That's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Good Lord. No, I mean, it's a long season. It's a tough season. Buffalo's just having one of those stretches right now where things aren't clicking, but they still have the way, way more talented team on offense and, quite frankly, defense. I don't know if the coaching needs to just give your players a little smack. Like, you had a good start. Teams are playing harder against you now because you're the Buffalo Bills. It's time to match that intensity or what. But they were were just flat on offense against Jacksonville. If you had asked me a couple of weeks ago, it would have been a resounding no. Patriots have absolutely no shot. Like, this isn't even a conversation. Buffalo might be able to clinch by week 10, the way the other three teams in this division are playing. But, I mean, I still would say Buffalo is the obvious betting favorite, but it's a conversation now, right? Like, they've also got five wins. And, like you said, Eric, they have to play Buffalo twice. So, what happens if they split those one and one or – 
you know, doomsday scenario, Patriots end up taking both of them and hold the tiebreaker over him. So it's possible, but I think a more realistic option is Buffalo still wins the division. Patriots, though, suddenly in that wild card mix, which, like we just said, when they started off the season through their first five games, looked like that might be a top of the draft order, top 10 pick rather than a potential wild card. But they've turned things around and most of it yeah. is defense because it's certainly not their offense. They are Those are some ugly wins they're putting up. I, I have no idea who's good in the AFC anymore. <laughs> Literally, the, the, I'm telling you, the first, I, the Cleveland Browns are going to end up getting the first round buy or something stupid like that. Now that they've got rid of OBJ, they're just going to coast into the playoffs and get a first round buy, and the and the road to the Super Bowl is going to have to go through the dog pound. That's what's going to happen. The AFC is so stupid. Eric, That's what's going to happen. Prediction, bold prediction of the week. No, it's just Eric's. Let's throw our hands in the air and give up on trying to predict this and the stupid outcome that's inevitably going to come. Browns are going to. I heard you just say that Cleveland is the best team in the AFC, and you just jinxed them. They're playing the Detroit Lions next week. Oh, trap <laughs> game, man! Detroit, just to throw everything else on its head some more. <laughs> Speaking of teams that are looking ahead to next year, Detroit amongst them. If your fantasy team is in the absolute dumps right now and you're in a keeper league you're probably starting to think who are some players that i can look ahead to at maybe acquiring from a team who's trying to get into the playoffs who is running away with the league and who might not have room to start all of these young players so for this next segment we're gonna go through some players on the younger side of things that if you are in a dynasty keeper league you should probably start throwing out some feelers ahead of the trade deadlines that are coming up shortly, depending on your league settings. So Craig, you want to start us off first with someone who you think should be a prime target for dynasty leagues next season. I mean, JK Dobbins should be there. Mm -hmm. I would, I would go for JK Dobbins. If you're going to young players who haven't really, because I mean, it's, he had one solid rookie year and then kind of never really got a chance. So maybe I, that's a guy that you could just shove away right now and then you just don't even have to worry about picking the running back in the second round or the third round of this fight right yeah no i like that too because it's an absolute graveyard back there right now between murray freeman and bell yeah. somehow they all find pater every single week this weekend again both freeman and Le'Veon bell scored touchdowns against the vikings i don't understand how it keeps happening so imagine what a competent running back could actually do in that system for next year yeah, I mean, I would have kind of gone the same route if someone who uh, hasn't played so far this year um, and say Cam Akers, but I don't know the way Daryl Anderson Jr. has been playing this year. He's had a fine season. So I think I might take that one off my list and and unbiasedly, I'm not even kidding, unbiasedly, assuming that your league is structured in a way where if you did auction that you only have to add like, you know, five dollars onto what you paid for more if you're in a um, snake draft keeper that you have to give up your pick two rounds ahead of where you picked him the prior year standard rules then i'd go michael pittman jr because he's some he's a guy that a lot of people might have picked up easily in the double digit rounds and i even if i took him in the 10th round i'd be willing to give up an eighth round pick for him I went with two different sort of routes here. So I went with someone you should target for someone who maybe you can flip an established name, someone who's got a more higher floor, higher ceiling, but probably come next year won't be viewed in the same way. 
And then I went with someone who's just a pure stash for next year. So my established flip is going to be targeting Devonta Smith because right now, 536 yards, two TDs. He hasn't been hitting Pater. And what you probably notice if you've watched the Eagles both last week and this week and seems to be a trend moving forward is they are going all in on the run game. So I think he's actually going to be getting less involved in the passing offense rather than, oh, the touchdowns are coming, just wait. So if you've got a owner in your league who might be getting a little impatient, maybe they haven't played Smith in a couple of weeks, and you've got someone who, if you compare what they're going to do next year, what you think in their mind, you could flip to him in a one-for-one trade. He's someone that I think you should really take a long, hard look on, especially because one of two things is going to happen next year, either they're finally going to go all in on Jalen Hurts and really open up the playbook and say, this is our guy, this is what we're going with. Or with one of those three draft picks, they're taking a quarterback and it's going to be someone else in there. And unless you get Willis, everyone else seems to be sort of pocket passers as opposed to that Jalen Hurts mold. So I don't think Willis would end up in Philadelphia because you've already got that in Jalen Hurts. So it would be someone who's airing it out a little bit more. So uptick in production for next year as well too do you think Uh, they'll still draft the quarterback in a weaker class i think howie will do whatever howie feels like (laughs) doing there's no rhyme reason logic to any of the moves that he does he's got three picks he's gonna do something stupid with them and i can almost guarantee you taking a quarterback weak draft class strong draft class whatever it is he's gonna do it because they just don't seem confident in Jalen Hurts and it's something that as the season's going on I can sort of see the Eagles fan base splitting into the pro Jalen you know anti-Jalen camps I think all of it stems from the fact that they're just not using him how he's supposed to be used like no it's it's all on coaching it's all on management like this is a guy who could be an NFL quarterback but they he's just got no weapons around him and the Rousey does have his weapons running are not to his strong suit so i I don't know it's one of those they're they have their playbook jalen you play to our playbook versus like when baltimore went out and got lamar jackson they completely changed how they call plays and what kind of personnel they had around so that would work yeah well i think what happened as well too with lamar we've got to realize like lamar's rookie year what wasn't exactly lighting the world on fire was his year two that he took that huge leap but it was because in that off season they committed to him like you said craig they were like we're gonna get guys that tailor fit his skill set and guys that are gonna make him better and that's not what they did with jalen hurts they just went out and they drafted whoever the hell they want they brought in whoever they could and they're in a little bit of salary cap hell right now too with dead money and all of that so It'll really be telling this offseason when some of that money comes off the books. Are they going to commit to Jalen and actually do the Lamar Jackson route and surround him with the weapons that complement his skills? Or are they just going to go out and draft a new quarterback? I have no idea. I've stopped trying to predict what Howie does years ago. That's probably healthy for you. Oh, my God. (laughs) My second one, though, and this is just my pure, you can probably pick him up off your waiver wire and just stash him for next year is – Donald Parham Jr. for the Los Angeles Chargers. Who the fuck is that? I will tell you who the fuck that is, Eric. Law. Isn't that the, isn't that their isn't that that's their tight end, isn't it? That is their tight end. So <laughs> six eight two thirty seven. If you saw him stiff arming people against the Eagles, he is 
uber athletic, but he was one of those guys who was just sort of learning the position. He was a UDFA signed in Detroit in 2019. Didn't really get much playing time there. Anyways, he's not putting up huge numbers. So if he is actually rostered in your league, I would be shocked. He's only got 114 yards, three TDs, but we're seeing his usage move up every single week to the point where this week, he ran a pass route on 34% of the snaps that Herbert took, whereas in prior weeks, he was mostly on blocking duty. And if he saw even a target, that's Christmas to him. But Cook is now down to 50% running routes. He's only under contract for the rest of this year. Going into next year, he'll be a UFA. He's going to be 35. I would be shocked if the Chargers brought him in. I think they really like Parham but they wanted that insurance policy there in case he still wasn't ready. So he's learning from cook. He's getting groomed in that system. And then next year it's him. I'm not saying it's the second coming of Antonio Gates, but it is that sort of huge red zone target in an offense that is going to be very pass happy for years to come. So if you can hold on to him for cheap in a keeper league, he's someone that I would have my eye on and you can probably pick up off the waiver wire and not need to give up any assets to get as well too. You made us. You made a sterling case for him, Kyle. Well done. I'm picking him up right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even keeping him. I'm gonna start next week. There you go. Now, if <laughs> if you if you wanted to get really savvy with keepers and potentially waste one year of a keeper for them, I guess maybe we're looking forward more to next year. But if you wanted to draft or get an auction, Alexander Madison and Tony Pollard really really cheap and have them just sit on your bench waste a year but keep them for the year after both of their contracts are over with their respective teams and will likely be seeking a contract with a different team because those guys are way too good to be kept as backups and are going to want to get paid eric's playing the udfa salary cap long game right now yeah Um, like don't don't keep them after this year because because most leagues will only allow you to keep a guy three times. So if you keep him after this year and keep him after next year, you've wasted two and you'll get him for one year cheap. Probably best to draft them next year, waste a year, and then have them for real cheap the next two years after. If you want to be really sappy about it. Yeah. Well, speaking of running backs, things have been shaken up since Derrick Henry went down. So from here until the end of the season, what's your Mount Rushmore look like? of matchup proof running backs where I don't care what defense they're playing. I have full confidence that they're in the 20 plus points range. Like what does your Mount Rushmore, your top four look like in no particular order? You don't have to actually rank them one through four, but who's got their face etched into the stone. Okay. So like assuming, assuming that these players do not get injured because obviously Christian McCaffrey would be one that I'd easily have in there, but he gets injured so often has already been injured this year could re-aggravate. So how are we looking at this? Who are you most confident that is matchup proof top four running backs? Oh boy. Um, oh, I get, I, you know, I guess Christian McCaffrey, because no matter what, even if, even if the injury risk is there, I'm just, I, I guess you still pick him. Dalvin Cook. Craig, did you want to throw in your two? Last two to complement my list. <laughs> well, I, don't, I don't know if he's got those same two. In there. I, I do not have Dalvin Cook. Uh, oh, okay. So there you go. <laughs> um, no, I, uh, the yellow crayon. I mean, I have Taylor. He's the he's the obvious one. Donald yep. Taylor. I mean, yep. that Colts line is just figured out, and I think yep. the team's offensive play calling is figuring out. Like, just yeah. keep, you're looking uh, at your rushing. You're looking at your rushing champion right there. Yeah, for sure. And the other another one, 
Or Darrell Patterson? No. <laughs> no, I would love to, but no. I mean, he's more of a receiver anyways. But um, <laughs> Well, as long as he well, – this is a fantasy he's podcast, RB, right? As long as he has a RB next to WR in his I name, know. he's eligible for this for this experiment, for this exercise. Uh, I'm going uh, Najee Harris. I think oh. what we saw, we saw, kind of said at the beginning of the year, like some rookies, it takes a little bit to get going. But later on in the year, I think Harris will start coming to his own a bit. Steelers aren't going to go away from him. I think the Steelers are just going to keep on force feeding him. And it's just, he's been consistent, consistent this year lately. Like the last, I want to say four or five weeks. And I don't think it matters anymore who Pittsburgh's playing. They're just going to feed him. And uh, another guy, um, I do have CNC there. And the other guy I have, it was, it was close between Chubb and Kamara. I want to lean more towards Kamara just because Hunt will eventually be coming back. Yeah. And not so much that it will affect his yardage too much because Chubb still gets his yards, but maybe touchdowns. Whereas I think Kamara, just with the extra injuries at quarterback and struggles they've had lately, they're just going to have to try to get him more and more involved. Right. And I just, I don't see his touches going down at all. They're just going to find ways to get him the ball. And I, I just see him being a consistent 20 point guy the rest of the way. Yeah. Well, I'm going to disagree with Eric's Dalvin Cook selection there. He's multiple times this season, even when healthy, struggled to even eclipse 10 oh, points this year in PPR. Oh, so you're, you're welcome to, you're welcome to do so, Kyle. Well, I ha- will. And I have So my Mount Rushmore. I've got Jonathan Taylor. I think we're unanimous in that one. I'm going with you yep. too there, Craig Najee. I think as the weather gets colder, and Pittsburgh finally realizes, all right, he's fully grasped this playbook. He's done everything you can ask out of a rookie. He's already got a touchdown tonight in the Monday nighter. Yep. He's going to yes, be yes. someone who you might as well pencil him in for one rushing TD and flirt with 100 yards every single week from here on out. So he's up there for sure. Same thing. I, it was those exact two players. It was Chubb or Kamara. I ended up going with Chubb just because I don't know what to expect out of the passing game with whether it's Simeon, whether it's Taysom back there. I don't know whether it's going to be a good thing and it's just going to be checked down Charlie and he's going to be a PPR monster or they're going to be so inept back there that the defenses are just going to load boxes and just say, all right, we're going to make you beat us with anyone not named Alvin Kamara moving forward. So I I leaned a little bit towards Chubb, but I was right there with them. The fourth one I'm putting on though, and I never thought I would say this, and I'm going to have to defend myself once I throw that name out there. I'm putting Mixon on my Mount Rushmore moving forward. The simple reason being every single game, he gets 20 to 25 touches guaranteed. The volume is always there. He's got no one who is trying to vulture his goal line work, even in a blowout game where they are passing a ton, you would think that Perrine would have gotten worked in a little bit more. No, it was still Mixon who was catching passes out of the backfield, got both of their touchdowns. I think the volume is there. I don't think defenses are going to be able to load the box on him because of their deep field threats and Boyd Higgins and Jamar Chase and all of that. So I like him. I don't like him to put up a ton of yards, but, He's their go-to guy in the red zone. So unless it's a 50-yard bomb to (laughs) Jamar Chase, which happens seemingly weekly, except for this weekend, it's a lot of Joe Mixon in the close yard situations. Nope, you're right there. 
he's been yeah. solid this year. And yeah, I think like what's his lowest points per game been so far? I feel like it's has he been? I mean, he must have been under twenty at some point this year, right? Yeah. So he started off. Here are his PPR half point PPR points. He went twenty four. Then he had two down weeks. He went eight nine. Then he went fourteen eleven twenty four twelve twenty five twenty seven and a half. No. Okay. Yeah, he's been he's been hot lately for sure. Yeah. But I'm just looking at that second half schedule. He's got a bye this week, and he's got the Raiders. Then he's got Pittsburgh chargers who can't stop a nosebleed against the run san fran denver baltimore kc to end the year so yeah teams that are not known as strong teams against the run so from here on out to the end of the year i like what he brings to the table but i did not think that i would have three afc north running backs in this conversation if you had asked me at the beginning of the season yeah there you go all right, Eric, I'm going to toss it over to you here. I'm going to give you a chance to give your pick for the Anvil Award winner this week. If you don't have one, I've got a backup here, but I know how much it hurts your little soul every week that you don't get to get your two cents in here. The Anvil Award that I would like to award goes to the Cleveland Browns defense for getting a 99-yard pick six for that one play and one play only did you start him because i did <laughs> against against craig this week yeah so rather than it being the anvil award eric quickly took it as an opportunity to gloat about his fantasy football decisions against craig yeah seems fair i'd do the same if i ever made a good decision <laughs> <laughs> jesus christ all right <laughs> For argument's sake, I'll float mine out there. I went with Malik Please. Turner, wide receiver for oh, Dallas. Yeah. Oh, but he got all those points in garbage time, though. He was 0% owned. He was the only <laughs> Dallas Cowboy who scored. Like, what? Malik Turner, out of nowhere, 5 of 7, 33 yards and two TDs, 0% owned. And he's immediately going to get dropped as well, too, because Michael Gallup is getting activated this weekend, so it'll be either him or Wilson that gets relegated to practice squad and or bench duty. So see what happens. So we'll, I'll, we'll give him his one round of applause for doing something against the Denver Broncos defense when no one else on Dallas could get it done. So well done Malik. Yeah, that's wild. Everyone else got two inch. <laughs> what are these strange stains that are all over this crayon? Like you didn't even bother to give me a clean Halloween costume here. Oh, well, we wore them to we wore them to a Halloween party where there was drinking. You don't put those through the wash. Read the tag. <laughs> it's dry clean only. These crayons. Good lord. It's a lot of different colored scenes on here. Don't don't like the white ones. <laughs> that was Leah's. What was she doing? Oh my god. <laughs> uh, good lord. All right. Well, segues kind of into our next topic here. Because really? I'm at the, <laughs> the next. <laughs> I was going to say, because uh, I'm a little bit worried right now. How worried should Green Bay offense owners be in blowing of it? all of blowing <laughs> it? Uh, of Halloween parties? <laughs> of Aaron Rodgers being uh, Joe Rogan? <laughs> medical advice enthusiast like 
Speaking what? of love, is love going to be the quarterback going forward? <laughs> See, there's there's an uncountable amount of tie-ins between your previous comment and this next topic here. Jokes aside, like, how worried would you be whether you were a Aaron Rodgers owner, whether you're a Devonte Adams owner, whether you're an Aaron Jones owner? Because it's a huge trickle-down effect. Like, obviously, if Rodgers gets suspended or whatever from this investigation the nfl is launching that affects him but it also drastically affects everyone else on that offense and those are some premier high draft picks that people spent a lot of capital on to acquire preseason yeah i mean i think if as long as rogers is out you should be worried because i mean they played the chiefs and here's the thing not not every there's only one dan Sorensen. Right. So here's their one touchdown that they got. Um, <laughs> I I would be worried. Um, I think it's I think it's more for next year. I, think I haven't Robert seen such a such a pitiful defensive player come up so huge <laughs> in his career and make such big impact plays, especially when on their run to the Super Bowl. Oh, it's oh just, boy, it's just so so hilarious to watch. Now I just have to laugh at it. And here goes Sorensen and. Uh, I mean, he just kind of ducked, and Sorensen went flying past them. And got the touchdown. Yeah, he kind of he, he kind of he, he kind of did the same thing that what was the guy's name? Marcus Williams is that his name on the Maya on the uh, Minneapolis Miracle? Except like Sorensen stayed on his feet. Here's the thing though, like who was who got the touchdown? Was it was it Lazard or Scantling? Either Lazard. way, they're Lazard. like okay. Well, either way, they're like six three, and you ducked out of the way of a tackle. Like where are you reaching? <laughs> well, we're all about play- we're all about player safety today, Craig. You know, yeah. He's just you know he's taking the lead on player safety. Anyways, as long as Love is quarterback, I think you're worried. I mean, Rogers is going to come back this year, so there's no issues there. I don't think they really care about losing their locker room because after this off season, I think they're kind of used to Rogers just doing random shit, and they just want to win this year. Next year, I'm freaking out if I'm a Packers fan. <laughs> Well, here's what I don't get, right? Like the the NFL releases the big announcement that, oh, we're launching an investigation into Aaron Rodgers' mask use. But what the hell is the investigation? Do you not have seven weeks of press conference footage and like a viral video of him as John Wick at the Halloween party? Like, is this not like a five second investigation? It's out there. You have tape. You've posted the conference on your website before. Like, if this was Tom Brady, he's still, he's still, he's still entitled. He's still entitled to a proper due process. Yeah. Well, God forbid that. I could only imagine if this happened up in Foxborough, what the punishment would have been. Probably would have been, uh, you know, suspended for the year and a three million dollar fine to craft and all that. If that's what they're doing for ounces of air and. A beat and a, game and of a, football and a, and a Pete Rose level in uh, banishment from the game. Yeah, for Tom Brady. Yeah, and just to add to that, what I don't understand either is he asked if this could count as a vaccine, his therapy or whatever that he did yeah. with olive oil or lavender or whatever, and they said no. So they <laughs> knew the whole time he wasn't vaccinated. So why are they just like, whoa, what? We need an investigation. This doesn't make sense. What? Because, Craig, because, Craig, 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 Craig. 
yes, it's in the agreement that it's that it's that it's up to the teams to enforce it, and they just probably assume that once they said no, it doesn't count. He would have done the logical thing and got vaccinated. But yeah, on one hand. I guess they had prior knowledge of it. So I feel like they need to have records. Does your employer not have a record if you're vaccinated or not? I, I, I ticked a box on a online poll. That was it. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. No, the, no, that you took a vote. Actually, no, that, no, that wasn't it at all. That, that wasn't it. No, they, they have your record. Yeah, so they probably do. They should. If you need to show your vaccination record to walk into a restaurant these days, I'm pretty sure someone that they've got tens of millions of dollars invested (laughs) in, they know full well what the status of his vaccination is. Like, They don't need to release it. That's private information. They don't need to release who's vaccinated and who's not. That's why reporters are asking earlier in the season. Mm -hmm. But their employers know. So the NFL knew the NFL just when you think they couldn't find more and stupid ways to screw things up they just make things complicated needlessly but yeah I'm I'm with you Craig I'm very curious to see though especially with how polarizing a topic it is what kind of punishment quote unquote comes from this investigation that they're launching like does he get suspended even when he comes because he's out what he's out 10 days because he's unvaccinated so that was last weekend is he out this weekend too then so it's 10 days minimum. He still needs to have a negative test. It's not like the 10-day yeah. comes. So, so he is out this weekend then as well, too. Mm, no, day 10, I believe, would be Saturday. Yeah. So, uh, but, and, but, he, but he needs a negative test, and he, won't, and, he, and he won't be practicing with the team either. Now, granted, it's Aaron Rodgers, and an unpracticed Aaron Rodgers is still better than a fully practiced Jordan Love, but he's still got to provide a negative test and not being around the team for 10 days. I mean, that's not going to help anybody you could very easily miss this one but if he misses this one then the question is does the nfl actually do anything or is this just a we're gonna sweep it under the rug and hope this goes away a la washington football scandal going on continuously would they even fine aaron Rodgers, or isn't is it the team that takes the brunt of the punishment in this case someone should be paying money for this like well they probably they probably will be you're just wondering if it's the player's responsibility. Yeah, I, I, I haven't, I haven't fully combed through the the their protocol in yeah. the, those more in those more isolated details. I just know that if we're following the prior record, anybody who's been fined, it's been the team. But at the same time, those were for transgressions that involved the team. I don't think any one of their punishments was because of you know the spotlight on one single player. So I don't know. We'll see. It could be the team that gets fined for not enforcing the the protocols for Rogers for not adhering to them. But if they're not, if he's not adhering to them, the team knows, and then they just don't do anything about it. Then you know what I mean? Like that's, that's kind of on the team too. They should get fined. So. So they take on Seattle this weekend. Let's say, yeah. for example, battle of the backups. Yeah. Unless actually you know, they're saying that Wilson might be back. Well, let's say that love is the starter. Do you see, any kind of fantasy relevance there out of love or are there like five other people you would pick up off the waiver wire ahead of them knowing that um, they're going against that seattle secondary <laughs> no i don't see, i don't see too much relevance unless like you don't have a quarterback and you your quarterback's on by or you're in a two qb or super flex league yeah I, it doesn't matter if it's seattle's defense but seattle's defense has been starting to play a better too just shell out to stop the runner and obvious passing downs blitz i think the chiefs blitz on like 49 percent of their snaps 
Yeah. Is ridiculously high. All right, so I just want to see where he slots in for you guys here, fantasy-wise. If I were to throw (laughs) the following names, rank them in order of startability. (laughs) Let's say Geno Smith is still out there. Let's say Jared Goff. And let's say Jordan Love. How do you rank Uh, those three quarterbacks? Don't do this to us. (laughs) Probably in the order that you said them. I'd probably go Smith, Goff, Love for this week coming up. Love, I just don't see enough at all against one of the worst defenses in the league. Geno Smith, at least, he'll give you the the throw it up to DK or or lock it and get get a touchdown there. And Jared Goff, (laughs) I would be super nervous about playing against Cleveland, but Eric did get Cleveland Browns. So obviously, you know win, <laughs> so, you know, do you know what? Strictly from a game game script perspective, because Jared Goff's gonna have to throw the ball forty times. Let's go, Jared Goff number one, Geno Smith number two, and Jordan Love number three. No one got any love for him, eh? So is he just a washed prospect at this point, or do you think he just needs? No, he's just in. No, he's just an experience. No, he's just an experience. Yeah, it looked like he was just having a hard time reading the defense. Maybe it's one of those things where after looking back, you can kind of pick up on patterns a bit. But I mean, looking over the tape and whatnot is what he should have been doing a lot as a backup quarterback anyways. So I don't I don't know if there's just an issue. He's just a little bit slower when it's on the field kind of yeah. thing. But that seems to be the biggest issue is finding yeah. out where, he just needs, out, where, yeah. where the pressure's coming from. He, he needs to read defenses better. Who was calling that game? Was it Joe Buck and Troy Aikman? Okay, because I think yeah, because it was Troy Aikman that pointed out one time. He goes, he goes, you know, the Chiefs are sending when the Chiefs send seven guys at you, just throw the ball in the middle of the field where you know one of your guys is running a route because you have a you have a guaranteed one on one, and if you have no one and if and if you don't have anywhere else, look to the middle of the field where someone's going to be well, running. If so that was the one across. play. There was there was absolutely everyone was up to the line and. There was no, like, they're sending, it was like a double safety blitz. So the receivers yeah. were all out wide. There was no in the middle. You just have to hot route one guy to cut in the middle. Yeah, exactly. Like, and you got to read defenses and, 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 and there's no one there. It's a touchdown. I mean, yeah. he, just, he just was not doing it. He still threw the default, and there was a guy that made the cut in the middle. I can't remember who it was now. Yeah. But hot yeah, route, no, hot, route, hot route. I don't know what that means. Just go and stand <laughs> over there. <laughs> yeah. Pretty no. well. It'll be interesting to see for sure. And I, I, what I'm more interested actually is just sort of the longer term of this, let's say five years down the road. I want to know because Aaron Rodgers was pretty vocal in what a dick Brett Favre was to him there and how he didn't, <laughs> you know, take him under his wing and all of that. And he really wished that he had been coached up more by the incumbent and blah, blah, blah. Like, I don't get the sense that Rodgers has done very much for Jordan Love's no. career in their time there. So talk about the pot calling the kettle black, but who knows? Maybe they're besties off the field, unbeknownst to us, but uh, they're, they've got a pretty frigid relationship, even on the sidelines most days, it seems. Yeah, we'll see how that goes. All right, well, moving from one headline maker to another, Urban Meyer making headlines <laughs> for the right reasons this time. Finally gets it done up in Buffalo. Has he saved his job in your mind? So here, here's here's the stupid thing, is that it's 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 actually going to help, obviously, because another win is is obviously helpful for a coach. But like it's dumb a, a win like that where I don't know did did the Jaguars win the game because they had great coaching? <laughs> is, that, is that why they beat the Bills? <laughs> like it's for the same reason that you can have a good coach, but 
if somehow your players don't really execute very well, like, oh, you know, you had an eight and eight season when we expected a 12 and four season. So therefore you're fired. It's like sometimes so dumb like that, where sure, I guess maybe if you were to have my honest answer, yeah, maybe it, 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 it does, does a bit better for him. And that's a marquee win that people are like, oh, you can't fire him. He beat the bills. But like, was it really urban Meyer's hand in, in their, in, in their game plan that that really tipped the balances like if if someone else was in there would the bills blown them out well, no he's usually grabbing handfuls of something but i don't know if it hey. <laughs> in my mind it does nothing because all of the off-field stuff like he's already made his bed he looks out of place the players clearly don't really respect him that much i think they're more so playing for contracts and their own respectability at this point a lot of them have probably realized hey i'm a free agent at season's end i'm not gonna let this idiot derail my chances at securing the bag in the offseason so <laughs> Like, I think he's only around at this point, to your point, Eric, here, is like, that wasn't an Urban Meyer win. I think he's only around because he's literally, what are we now, eight games in for the Jaguars into this new contract that he signed? Like, if he was in the final year, he would have already been gone. So I still don't think he makes it to the end of his contract. I would bet the farm on him not getting extended once his contract is up. It's just a matter of time. Maybe at bottom some goodwill in the press this week, but I don't see him as the long-term fit in Jacksonville. Do either of you? I've, I've always said it. How many college coaches have actually come into the NFL and gone for a head coaching job and actually had success? Not, not, many. Many. not many. Not many. Nick Saban came and he didn't do so well in Miami. Other it's, coaches. Chip, Chip Kelly was okay at the beginning, but he didn't last very long. Fun fact, most, Chip Kelly right now, he's got the same winning percentage career-wise as Kyle Shanahan, and one is viewed as an absolute genius, and the other one got laughed out of the league at the end. Both oh. coming in a like a just over 400% win percentage, but it's literally down to the decimal point, exact same thing. So I think the one thing that, if we're still talking about Erdmeyer Meyer and the win saving his job, I don't think wins matter this year as much as the development of Trevor Lawrence. Like, it's been a slow development sometime, like for some time this year. He needs to see some improvement out of them. They invest way too much in this prodigy. Like if you can't get the best out of Trevor Lawrence, then get out. Right. Like at it, it, this point, it's all about developing players for the next couple of years here. And they need to show improvement. Nine points isn't, you know what I mean? Like six to nine. That's not, that's not telling me that Trevor Lawrence had a great game. Yes, Eric. Josh <laughs> Allen had a great said. game. Josh Allen, had a, no, Josh Allen had a great game, and not the Buffalo Josh Allen. Well, I was going to say, after their first ever head-to-head showdown there, does that ma- now make Buffalo Josh Allen the other Josh Allen? Because one of them had a hell of a game, the other one didn't. So, did he Well, Scott Hanson, Scott Hanson on Red Zone gave Jaguars Josh Allen the player of the day. So. Oh, there you go. He did. He did. Well-deserved. All right, that brings us to the end of another episode. If you haven't already, be sure to head over to either dinespressbox.com or drop us a follow, like, share, review, subscribe, whatever you want to do on any of the social media channels, all of them the same, at Dynasty League. And as always, give us a five-star write-up on Spotify, Apple, wherever you get your podcasts from. Till next week, boys. I cannot wait to get the hell out of this unknown stain. 
crayon costume here. Eric, congratulations. You've earned your, your moment in the spotlight there. Hooray. Hooray. <laughs>